Now, as we continue to talk about communicating the gospel, we're going to look at another idea. We've given the idea the name of storying. It is not just to tell a story. And as we talk about it, I'm sure you'll begin to understand why we changed the word. Because I'm not just going to tell a story to illustrate a point. The story is it. The story is the message. The story contains or is what I'm trying to say. And so we're going to look at storying. There's a reason for that, and that is because many of the people that we communicate with do not learn by reading books. There are various ways that you can learn something. Perhaps you learn things by looking it up on the Internet. You ask Google or somebody. Uh, that's a popular way right now. <laughs> or you ask a friend. <laughs> or someone teaches you personally. Uh, but lots of people do it by having a personal friend tell them or hearing about it. They don't read, not because they can't read. There may be people who are illiterate and they don't read, but oral learning is a method of which people learn things, and it is a very valid method, and many people learn that way. According to some people, about 70 or 75% of Americans learn orally. That might surprise you, but people don't read the way people used to read and in other parts of the world also, especially in the Middle East. There are books, but being a, going to the library and reading books is not a very popular part of the culture. Very few people seem to do that. I see people read newspapers, but I don't see people very often reading books and learning from books. <clears throat> so one of the things I've often noticed too, is that there's quite a bit of confusion between telling and teaching. Telling people things is not the same as teaching. Teaching has a specific plan. You prepare for the person. You have the person in mind who you're going to teach. And it usually happens at a special time that teaching is planned and then takes place. The plan in, under consideration for learners' style of learning is for oral learners. In Western culture, we generally take it for granted that everyone learns the same way. But more recently, there's been a great deal of effort considering how learning is done orally, a very different learning style, or print learning, or reader's learning. And some people do a combination of this. Oral learning find it hard to grasp knowledge that is presented in a different style. So if he doesn't understand it, or it's presented in a style that he doesn't know, he will not grasp very much of the teaching. We must not think of oral learners as illiterate. They may read books, but this is not their basic learning method. Knowledge is gathered from the group, the community, and one another. Knowledge is passed from one another to another person. Listening to the story or how the people experience things, achieve something, or fail to achieve something, that people learn from each other their good points and their bad points, their failures and their achievements. There are some principles of oral learning. Try to share now a few of the principles of why it's different than learning from a book. The story or stories is one of the main formats of knowledge. It is often heard in a small group and not always one-to-one. 
the story is a bigger concept than word or just points. It does not happen in isolation, but it gives the whole picture of a person. The story is his life, his actions, the results. It relates some sort of a message about what or why this happened. The story becomes the message. Various types of stories are told in everyday life. Some are personal stories, parables, proverbs, picture stories, or also our DVD format and drama music forms are stories. The Bible narrative so clearly is a story and is a pattern of learning that many people of the world know and learn from. If we use a chronological format, that's helpful too because it gives the story a framework and means that you are giving the person sort of an oral Bible so that when they become a believer, they will have a certain amount of knowledge in a form that they can continue to use in spiritual growth. By saying that you would give a format to the story doesn't mean that you start always and give the person from Genesis to Revelation or that you always start in the same place. But you can easily give a format. If I'm talking about Abraham, I would ask, do you know Abraham? When did Abraham live? When would you think? Would he live? Sometimes I have said, do you think he lived before Muhammad? Or do you think he lived before Moses? Where would you put him? Generally, my Iraqi friends are well aware of Abraham. He's from Iraq, and they know lots of stories about Abraham. So they would give me some details of he came before Moses. Yes. And who was Moses? Oh, Moses gave the law. And he came before Muhammad. There was no Quran. Abraham came. There weren't any books, she said, my friend. So I tried to get a picture of who Abraham was. It was just Abraham wandering and his family. And he spoke with God. So I've given a framework. So if I talk about someone else, the framework isn't very detailed. But we're just putting in the framework so we could understand later in understanding that Abraham didn't try to believe in God because of some particular thing. He didn't have any of those other things that come later in the stories. So Abraham was just Abraham and God speaking. So that gives a bit of framework to what, what is happening and Abraham's situation. That's what I mean that you give a certain framework. But if I'm talking about David, we talk about how David came much later after Abraham, after Moses, and the children were all living in Palestine and in the area, well settled, having a king. So we see a different situation. The wonderful part about stories is they're so easily remembered and often repeated. If you hear a story and enjoyed it, you tell someone else your story. I told the story of Noah to my Afghani friend, and the children were there, and I was saying, well, we can sing the story. So we sang about Noah built the ark, and the rains came, and the floods came up, and the water came down. And before another week, I was passing in the same area, and a Moroccan lady said to me, oh, can you tell me the story you told uh, over to your friend, the Afghan lady? She told me about it, but I couldn't remember at all. And it's something about the rain came down, and the floods came up. She, my Afghan friend is not a Christian, but when I tell her things, she passes them on. Their stories, she remembers them, and the children like the song, so they passed it on to some more people too they thought would like it. And that I find is quite interesting about this methodology. 
because I found that it's true sometime even in my own culture. You go to church on Sunday and they gave you three points. When you go home and you stop somewhere on the way, do you say, oh, these three points, I'll tell somebody my three points. I don't think you do because that isn't how we relate things. And we don't usually even remember the three points. We just remember all the illustrations and jokes the pastor told. And so the stories fit into a culture and things that are easily remembered. And you can tell them and they pass them on because it's a culture that tells stories. The learner will enjoy memorizing. So though, even though you're telling stories, I found you can also teach memory verses. A few weeks ago, we taught a memory verse of, from Psalm 139 because we were talking about creation and how God made me. And we learned the verse about being fearfully and wonderfully made. They love memorizing. I've had some wonderful experiences with my friends memorizing. When I, we were teaching Ephesians to a group of Christian girls, I said, it might be a good idea, do you think, if we memorized the book of Ephesians? And Helen, my friend, and I said, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that. And all the girls said, oh, yes, oh, yes. And the week, next week, when they came back to the Bible study, I said, how did you get on with your memory work? Well, me, Helen, and I, we memorized the first chapter. But my friends in the group, the other five girls, they memorized six chapters. They just memorized Ephesians. Isn't that what I said? Learn Ephesians. They did. Because it's a culture that uses memory, easily memorizes everything. Even when I was teaching literature, they would try to memorize the whole books in order to pass the exams and feed it back to me. Memory is part of their culture. Maybe sometimes it should become a more a part of ours because I think the scriptures encourage us to do memory work. But stories also, they're not passive. They're things that happen. The people in the stories are upset. They get angry. They have problems. They're sad. They're happy. They do things. They make mistakes. And all sorts of things happen. There's a lot going on. And it's not a p passive feeling. And I think the other thing that I sort of learned, sometimes we told the good stories. Have you ever done that? All the wonderful stories, the miracles, the things that happened well. And Hannah had a baby. But you tell the stories, Sarah made a mistake. Abraham was telling a lie again. There are different problems. But you know, even the stories, they are about something that we need to know, that when things go wrong, there are consequences. Those stories have a message too. We don't need just the message that everything was happy ever, ever after, but what happens and what God says about the message in the other stories. But because these stories are not passive, they're full of emotions. And as you're telling the stories, I found that my friends get into the story when we were telling the story about Hannah and praying for a child, many of the women immediately responded, oh, I want to pray to God about that. They could see themselves just like Hannah. Or one lady, we were having a story about uh, problems that Sarah had. And she said to me, wonder what Sarah felt when Abraham came home and said, you know, Sarah, we're leaving Iraq. She said, I felt bad when we left Iraq. I wouldn't have been so happy to run off with Abraham to nowhere. He didn't know where he was going. What kind of a husband knows someplace when he doesn't know where he's going? But Sarah went. She said, that's something. I wonder if I could tell my husband I'll go. And I did, she said, because he said, we're going to England, and here we are. And I followed. So they can relate, and they do, and they start asking things about it. 
did, and that I think as you tell this story, I often feel that you use a lot of WH words. You ask questions like, who and where did this happen? When did it happen? How? Where, what happened? Who is God speaking to? Do you like what he said? Is that a surprise? Oh, I don't think I would have said that. Really? Well, look what he said. Yeah, he did. I think so. Well, that's different. That's hard. And also, be able to accept those things. Sometimes they tell you, get very upset. That's a very hard thing. I don't think I could do that. Yes, sometimes we forget how hard it is. And they need to understand the story and be able to feel with it. The message is being heard, being seen in action, not in abstract points. The good actions, the bad actions. And sometimes it's quite difficult, the information. Sometimes the people in the story are being confronted, told off. They've done something wrong or they should do something better. But it is a pattern of thinking that oral learners are able to understand. It is not linear. It doesn't go A to B to C and there's the conclusions. No, it's people. People do things and don't always do what you expect they'll do or sometimes they might. And the end of the story might surprise you. But, and it could be very uncomfortable. But it's a person and, you, and we're all interested in what happened to other people quite often. Jesus used this type of teaching many times in daily life, talking about food, talking about planting crops, talking about a storm, talking about the needs of a sick person. Perhaps this is a different style than you're used to, but we can learn to think about it. Maybe I just highlight a little bit of what comparison between learning from a book. Learning from a book or from other types of learning is like facts or isolated. But oral learners, it's a big picture. It's a whole. They're not words and formulas and patterns of words, but relationships, friends, and people. It may seem to be in the reading book a present situation, something needed right then, but stories are often supercultural, beyond the needs of Abraham might still be the needs of me today or the needs of Hannah or Mary. It passes into a larger sphere of application. It's not a Bible idea, but it's a Bible person. It's not an argument, but a narrative and a story. I'm not selling you something, but sharing something about a person. It's not a pronouncement, but it's a kind of probe and personal picture into the life. But sometimes our friends are not completely learning orally, so sometimes it's good for us to kind of have an assessment. There are various levels of learning and various amounts of their ability to use some reading. And of course, our desire is that they would be able to read the scriptures. And so reading, if possible, will be a part of methodologies that we use. But perhaps the initial sharing will be in the oral way. So people who, of course, totally illiterate, do not read, then a story is the only option they have. Exposure to dialogue and reading is not possible. There are lots of people who are somewhat functional, functionally illiterate, 
Many of my friends, this is true. They once went to school, but it's been so long since they ever went to school. And for many years, they haven't really been reading much that they lose the ability to read. And another thing is lots of North Africans first learn to read in French and then a bit in Arabic. And so there's quite a mixture. They're not illiterate in, they're not literate in either language in some sense. And so they have only minor abilities or minimal abilities to read. And yet it's possible for many of them to learn to read again and to be able to discuss and have dialogue and exposition on various things. Certainly, people can answer questions, and you can have dialogue in question format rather than kind of uh, points and situations of that nature. There are many people who are literate, but still, because they learn early, appreciate the story, but also appreciate reading. So often with lots of people that I'm working, we tell the story, but we then read it from the scriptures and help them to see from themselves as well. So we combine the methodologies. And of course, there are doctors and lawyers and people who are very highly literate and learn from books, and that is the way that they would basically learn. And so we want to think about the person you're working with. Are they happy to read? An awful lot of our Christian ministry has done with literature and with books and giving out lots of books and reading materials. But to people who don't read much, we have not given them effective tools. And so it's better to try to then use perhaps other media like drama. And certainly the Jesus film over these past decade of years has been very productive in sharing the story of the gospel with many people. And a few other new films have been made like that, which are very helpful because they have the story and drama and music and a whole combination of things that are very appealing to share the message. To go just to back to thinking the basics of storying then is that we're trying to use a vehicle of communication that will reach a large group of people, a group of people who learn orally. The stories that we're interested in telling are basically based on the Bible because our concern is to share Christ. But sometimes we use other stories to illustrate some of the themes. And I found that there's a bunch of little books called Miss Nosy or Mr. Busybody, sort of little allegory books that are for children, really. But I found many people find them helpful and can see the messages and the themes of some of our Bible stories through the illustrations of these little books. I also think that because we want to present people and help them to see the Bible, chronological Bible storing is a wonderful methodology. And having a thought about how to present God and chronological format, but also because we want to present a larger picture. And we want to present different parts of the Bible, but we want to present it in a way that they have a larger picture than just that one story. And to strengthen the relationship, also the the chronological methodology strengthens the relationship between stories. The stories are not little bits on their own, but they fit together the whole pattern of what God is doing. So the idea of the chronological framework helps to put that together. They're not in isolation, but they fit something larger. 
and that gives the truth a kind of orderly pattern and of focus. And also sometimes if you give it a framework, it will perhaps help us in some sense to avoid errors because if we're presenting a one theme but we don't know how it fits together, we might pick up that little idea and then go with it and it might lead us into a problem. But if we see how it fits together, and that could be like teaching something about some Old Testament story where they particularly was in keeping of a particular law, then we might give the impression that that story and its theme is still the same today, but putting it into a picture and a framework, we will see how stories have a message of their own, but also fit a wider picture and a bigger purpose. But other thing about storying is it looks forward. Sometimes, um, and stories tend to be less controversial or less confrontational. People will hear a story where someone else uh, obeyed God and listened to God, but they're able to, in some sense, perhaps look at that person. This is what Moses did, and Moses did something good, or Moses did something wrong. He's disobeying God. But they're able to see it in somewhat, well, they're, they're stepping apart. But as you also, the story sometimes, if it's told in the right way, it also brings them in, because are they like Moses, or would they do what Moses did? So we want to have the story be able to be heard and the message before they get into the argumentative mood. But also, we do want them to miss the point that the stories aren't just for the past, but the stories have a present theme as well. And quite often, one of the things that the person who was teaching about storying that I went to her lectures, she said, stories have a way of being winsome. Stories are win-win, and most people love a good story. Even if they don't like what happened, they will go and listen. And so storying is a predominantly narrative method that opens a large door to the gospel, and we're able to listen and hear much of the story without too much problem. In the next time, we will try to talk about how you learn to tell a story, how do you prepare it.